Good morning, everybody. I'm so happy that you're here. I want to extend a sincere Father's Day to all of the fathers here and extend a sincere thank you to all of the mothers who dragged them here today. Thank you all so much for being here. I know that summer is kind of a hard time and people are traveling and it's Father's Day, so maybe fathers went to see kids or maybe kids came to see fathers. Whatever brings you here today, whether in person or online, we're so happy that you're here. Thank you for being here. Many of you know me, many of you recognize me. If you don't, my name is Brandon Reynolds. But that is not the only name that I have worn in my life. I've been called many things. When I was a little kid, I was called Brando. That was my nickname. As I got a little older on my football team, I was just Reynolds. And a lot of other names that I can't say from up here. And my personal favorite nickname that has been given to me throughout my life is one that my cousins gave to me when I was about 10 years old. Don't look too harshly upon my family, but my cousins call me trash. Um, one time when I was about 10, my uncle did something that I thought was a little trashy, and I was like, Byron, you're just trash, man. And from then on, they swapped it, and now I am trash forever. And... One time, my cousin's now wife came up to my mom and was like, does it hurt his feelings when they call him that? And my mom said, no, that's just kind of how our family is. And so now she calls me trash more than anyone else in the family. <laughs> I've worn a lot of names throughout my life. Some of them serious, some of them good, several of them not so good. I think this is a reality that all of us have faced in our life. I think we all have names that we have been given, and they don't necessarily reflect who we are. <clears throat> but the world comes to us, and it wants to label us. We need to be called something. And so it gives us labels like mom, or dad, or son or daughter, which are good things. But then sometimes it gives us other labels, like failure, like nerd, like jock. And the world comes to us and it gives us so many names that oftentimes it's hard to know which name actually fits. The world tells me I'm this and I'm this and I'm this and I don't know which name to live into. We have to wrestle with the question over and over and over again. What name defines me? Because I have all of these names and I wear all of these hats, but which one is actually me? Today, we're going to be looking a story of a man in the Bible who wrestles with this question over and over and over again. And he has been given a name. And he lives into his identity as Jacob over and over and over again. He lives into his name. He lets it define him. And yet in the midst of a desperate situation, he has an encounter with God and everything changes. Today we're going to be looking at the story of a man named Jacob. It's found in Genesis chapter 25 through chapter 32. It's found in a lot more than that, but this is the section we're going to be focusing on. Now, each of these chapters is like 40 verses. So, we're not going to read them all, I promise. 
I will not make you endure that. But we are going to be doing a fair bit of storytelling today. And so in order to kind of organize my thoughts, I've given main titles to every one of the big important sections that we're going to walk through. Because we're going to be walking through a lot of story today. So get your listening ears on. Today we're going to be talking about the story of Jacob. It is found in Genesis 25 through 32. It starts in Genesis 25 verses 21 through 26. This chapter, this section, I titled A War in the Womb. The story tells of a young man, or of a, a, an unborn man and his brother. One will become Jacob, the other will become Esau. Let's go to the story. Genesis 25, 21, it says, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah his wife conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? She went to inquire of the Lord. <clears throat> and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Esau means hairy. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. The name Jacob means heel grasper, but another meaning for it is deceiver. I want you to picture this scene. The older brother is born, and he's not even out of the womb yet, not even completely out of the world not completely into the world, and his younger brother is already trying to pull him down. His younger brother is already trying to take his place. His younger brother is already climbing the ladder. See, because Esau was guaranteed everything by being the older brother. He was guaranteed the birthright. He was guaranteed the blessing. And he was guaranteed so many other privileges that came with being the firstborn. And from the moment before they were even born, Jacob wanted it. And so his parents name him Heel Grasper, Deceiver. That is an identity that he is going to live into throughout this story. And so, let's go on to our next major section. The first deception. It's found in Genesis 25, verses 29 through 34. And it says this. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Edom means exhausted. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Yeah, he despised his birthright, but he despised his brother too. Jacob comes to Esau in the midst of a desperate situation. And Esau has a choice. 
He can die, or he can give away his birthright. If you don't know what a birthright is, it has to do with the ancient world. The brother was guaranteed pretty much 90% of the inheritance of his father. Now, the brother could keep all of that, or he could divide it amongst his younger siblings, but the older brother was guaranteed all of the possessions, all of the property of his father. And in the midst of a desperate situation, Esau comes to his brother, the one who should probably care for him and want to take care of him, and he says, I am going to die. Would you please give me some food? And Jacob says, yeah, I'll give you some food, but it's going to cost you. You're going to have to sell me your birthright. You have to sell me everything. You're going to have to sell me the one thing that gives you power over me. And Esau has no choice but to give in, and so he does. Jacob, already grasping at the heel, already pulling his older brother lower, already deceiving and cheating and living into his name. But one deception isn't enough, so we're going to move on to deception number two. Deception number two is so intense and so much that it takes up an entire chapter. So we're not going to read very much of it, but I'm going to tell it to you. It's found in Genesis 27. So if you don't think I'd do a good job telling it, you can go read it yourself. The story begins with their father Isaac being old. And in his old age, Isaac has lost the majority of his sight. But he's able to see that in the future, he doesn't have much time left. And so he calls Esau in, and he says, go and hunt me some wild game. Esau is this big manly man. He's hairy. He lives in the field. He goes and hunts. So he calls him in. He says, go and hunt me some game and cook it for me so that I may bless you. And Esau does. He goes out to the field and he hunts some wild game. But while he's out there, Isaac's wife, Rebecca, who always favored her little baby boy, comes to Jacob and says, I have a plan for you to steal the blessing from your brother too. And so Rebekah tells, tells Jacob to go and slaughter two young lambs, or two wild lambs, and to bring their skin to him. And so he does, he goes and slaughters them and prepares the meat and brings Rebekah the skin. And she cooks a wonderful meal, and then she covers Jacob in the skin of the lambs so that he might appear hairy to his father. Because Jacob had no body hair. He was smooth man is what it says. So he hides his smoothness. He pretends to be Esau. He puts on a cloak, one of Esau's garments, and he goes into his father. And he says, I have some food for you. And, Esau, or, and Isaac is like, wow, that was really quick. And Jacob says, oh yeah, God delivered game to me. Now is he not only lying, now he's lying about God. Jacob is deep into a deception at this point, but it's too late to turn back now. So he goes to his father and he gives him the food. And his father feels him and he smells him and he feels like Esau. And he smells like Esau. And so he blesses him. 
And he gives him a great blessing that everything he does will prosper, that he will live in the land, and that he will rule over his brothers. And Jacob leaves. And then Esau comes home. And he comes into his father and he says, I went and hunted wild game for you and I prepared a meal for you. I've brought it to you so that you might bless me. And Isaac said, I just blessed you. Esau says, no, that wasn't me. Isaac says, who did I just bless? And then he figures it out. And in Genesis 27, 35, he says this. But he said, this is Isaac talking, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. And Esau responds, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Grasping at the heel once again. Jacob goes and he steals from his brother. He goes and he cheats. He goes and he lies. He deceives and deceives and deceives. He's living in to the name that he was given. He is allowing the name Jacob to define him. And Esau is not too happy about this. So Esau has a response. Esau's response is found in Genesis 27:41, and it says the following. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are approaching. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. This is where all of his deception has gotten him. A brother that hates him. A father that is upset with him. And maybe a blessing and maybe a birthright. But now, he has to live on the run. Because his brother is going to kill him. But his mom finds out, and she comes to her little boy, and she says, you got to get away now. Because Esau is furious, and he is going to kill you. So she tells Jacob to flee, and flee he does. Jacob goes to the land of his uncle Laban. And... Once he gets to the land of his uncle Laban, he, he enters the land, and some of Laban's men approach him. And they say, who are you? And he says, I'm Laban's nephew. And they take him to Laban. And in Genesis 29, Jacob is going to get a taste of his own medicine. See, Laban has a daughter, two daughters. The oldest daughter's name is Leah, or Leah. And it says that her eyes were weak. She wasn't necessarily attractive. She didn't draw Jacob's attention. But his youngest daughter, Rachel, now she was something. She was beautiful. And Jacob sees her and he is instantly smitten. He is in love with her and he would do anything for her. So he comes to Laban and he says, let me, have, let me have Rachel as a wife. And Laban says, okay, I will give you Rachel as a wife in exchange for seven years of hard labor. And the, the Bible says that Jacob says, okay, and he works the seven years, but to him it seemed but a day because of his love for Rachel. Isn't that so sweet? He's so in love that seven years of hard labor seem like just a day. And he comes to Laban 
And he says, all right, I've worked seven years for you. Give me my wife. But Laban has a plan of his own. In 29, 21, it says the following. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. Laban gave his female servant Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her servant. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is, th- what is this that you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you Jacobed me? Why have you deceived me? How dare you? How dare you deceive me? And Jacob finally gets what it's like to be on the other end. The deceiver has been deceived. And so Laban comes in and he says, okay, it's not our way to, set, to marry off the younger daughter first. We have to marry off the older daughter first. And so he says, I will give you Rachel as a wife in exchange for seven more hard years of labor. So Jacob agrees and he works for seven more years and he finally gets Rachel as a wife. And the time has come for him and Rachel to leave. And Leah and some of their kids that they have had, it's time for him to leave and go and make his own way. And so he comes to Laban and Genesis chapter 30 and 31, and they engage in a little bit of a battle of deception. Because he had been deceived, but Jacob is still the deceiver. And so they're both going to, to try to, see, to deceive one another in Genesis 30 and 31. And it's a long, convoluted story. But essentially, Jacob comes to Laban and says, I need some of your flock to go with me. You have prospered greatly under me. You owe me just a little bit. I have served you well. I have taken good care of your animals. Please just let me have some. In fact, let me have the spotted lambs and the spotted animals, the ones that are viewed as unpure, the ones that are viewed as not as good, not as strong. So Jacob comes in and he makes him this offer, and to Laban that seems like a really good idea. But Jacob has another trick up his sleeve. Because Jacob is in charge of the breeding of the animals. And so he breeds them in a way to where the spotted animals are the strong ones. And the powerful ones, and the ones that can do work, and the ones that are good. He deceives again. And yet Laban has another deception. And even Rachel gets involved in a little bit of deception here. And as they are fleeing from Laban, she steals his idols. And over and over and over again, Jacob deceives, and Rachel deceives, and Laban deceives. And it's deception after deception after deception. It follows Jacob wherever he goes. He can't escape it. He can't escape his name. He can't escape who he really is. And finally, it all comes to term with him and Laban on, this, on the, the border between Laban's land and Esau's land. And Jacob and Laban make a covenant. 
Jacob says, listen, I'm going to go over to Esau's land, and I'm never going to cross over here again. You don't come after me, and I won't come after you. Essentially, okay, we know we cannot interact with one another because it's not going to go well for either of us. So we're just going to leave each other alone. They make that covenant. But now Jacob has another problem. The only land left to go to belongs to his brother, the one that wants to kill him. And so in Genesis 32, Jacob finds himself in a desperate situation. And so he enters into Esau's land, and he sends messengers ahead of him. And he tells them to go to his brother and inquire on him. <coughs> and the messengers come back. And in verse 6, it says this. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he is coming to meet you. And there are 400 men with him. 400 men don't come to meet you for a welcome party. And Jacob is terrified. Because before, it was just his life at risk. But now, it's his family's life at risk. It's his livestock's life at risk. Everything that he has built is about to be destroyed. And he is about to die. And so he's stuck in this desperate situation. And he prays to God that God might spare his life. And he sends his family away, and he sends his servants away, and he sends some people forward with gifts for Esau to try to soften his heart. And he's left there, alone, in the dark, and afraid, doomed, desperate. I don't know if there is a more desperate situation than alone in the wilderness with your family gone, your animals gone, waiting for your brother to come and kill you. And yet in the midst of this desperate situation, Jacob has an encounter with God. It's found in 32, verses 24 through 28. Jacob is going to get himself a new name. So let's go on to 3224. And Jacob was left alone, and a man came and wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. <coughs> then he said, let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He is still chasing after that blessing. He's alone, he's desperate, he's scared, and yet he is still grasping at the heel. And he's living into his name over and over and over again. Jacob spent his entire life being defined by the name that his parents gave him. But God is going to define him with a new name. In 32 verse 28 it says this. 
Then he said, the man that Jacob was wrestling with, spoiler alert, that's God, by the way. And it says, then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob has been chasing this blessing the entire time. He has deceived and deceived and deceived. He has climbed the ladder and climbed the ladder. He has grasped at the heel for as long as he can bear it, and it has gotten him nowhere. And he wrestles with this man, and he's still chasing after a blessing. And God comes to him and says, you don't need a blessing. You need a new name. You're not a deceiver anymore. You will no longer be known as the one who grasps for the heel. You will no longer be known as the one who deceives. Deception will no longer follow you. You will be the man who wrestled with God. And your people will be the people who wrestle with God. Jacob was so caught up in his name that he didn't know who he was. And so he lived into this identity of deceiver over again and over again and over again. Don't we do the same thing? The world comes to us and labels us. Maybe it labels you a father. And so you try to be the best father. But when you fail, that identity blows up. Maybe you want to be a mother. The world has called you a mother, and yet when you fail, that identity explodes. And so it brings us back to this question, what name defines me? I've been called so many. So which one really tells me who I am? Am I really trash? Was Jacob really a deceiver? Are you really whatever the world has come and told you that you are? Maybe you're a success. Maybe you're a failure. The world has told you over and over and over again who you are and who you should be. And we live into it and it gets us nowhere. And yet God comes to us. And just like Jacob, he gives us a new name. In John 1, verses 11 through 13, it says this. Go ahead. It says, he came to his own. He being God slash Jesus. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. God comes to you and he says, I know the world has given you a name. But if you come to me, if you receive me, I give you the right to receive the only name that actually matters. One of my children. We chase all these names that the world has for us and we run after them as if they define us. And yet God comes to you and he says, I have the one name that truly does define you, the only one that matters. It doesn't matter if you fail as a father. It doesn't matter if you fail as a mother. It doesn't matter if you fail as a child. 
because you're my child. And that is what defines you. No matter how good you may be, no matter how bad you may be, no matter how trash you may be, you are a child of God. And children of God matter because he says they do. Not because of what they do. Now that's good news. That's the best news. But it leaves us with a question. What do we do about that? Well, I think there are two things that we should do based off of our story and based off of our series. The first thing is wrestle with God. We try to find our identity in all kinds of places. We run to people. We run to work. We run to achievement. And we're begging for someone to give us a name that sticks. But it never does. And yet when we come to God and we're willing to do the hard work, and we're willing to sit there, and we're willing to wrestle. When we have this attitude like Jacob does, in, 20, in verse 26, where he says, let me go. The man said, let me go for the day of broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. When we come to God and say, I will not let you go until you give me a name. Because when hard times come, it's easy to just let go and run. But God comes to you and he says, hold on to me. Because I have a new identity waiting for you on the other side. So if you're struggling with your identity, if you're struggling to know who you are, if you're struggling with who you are right now, go to God and wrestle with him. And it won't be easy and it might not be fun, but when you come out the other side, you will be new. You'll be a whole new person. And you'll have a whole new name. And the second one, I'm sure you can call it by now, is to boast in God. I know it may seem like I'm beating a dead horse with this boast in God thing. But if you truly believe that Christianity is the way to live, if you truly believe that God gives you a new name, if you truly believe that God is the hero of your story, if you truly believe anything that we have said in this series, then it will not be a question whether you go and boast at God or not. Boast in your old identity because you have a new one. Again, it brings us to our theme verse for the series. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my old identity, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am lowered, then he is raised. For when I am not enough, he is enough. For when my name is not sufficient, he comes to me and gives me a new one. What better news is there than that? To go to someone and say, I know the world has labeled you this, but there is a God who has labeled you his child. 
And he loves you no matter what you do. This week, I want to challenge us to live into our new name and to boast in the one who gives it to us. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the blessings you give us. We thank you that we get to gather here, God. Thank you for all of the fathers here. ask that you guide them. Keep the families safe as they go home. Help second hour to be blessed. Help us to honor you and thank you for giving us a new name. Thank you for giving us a new identity. Thank you for calling us your child. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.